Women Make Waves is an NC Fit podcast. Welcome back to another Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Bloom, a.k.a. Bloom. And today, Lindsay Locke and I sit down with Lindsay Matthews. Lindsay is CEO and founder of BirthFit. She's a chiropractor, a Mercer therapist, and a birth doula. And today, we're questioning the standard American lifestyle. We dive into research and censorship, bringing taboo topics to life like conception and fertility. And you already know we talked about training around your cycle and nutrition during pregnancy and postpartum. New moms, moms-to-be, and women everywhere let's be real, men too, better grab a nice warm beverage because we're getting into it today. But before we dive into the show, I have to just take a minute and ask you to please go leave a rating and review or share this show with somebody you think might benefit from it. And while you're in the app sharing away, don't forget to check out the NC Fit app, the seven days a week, three different tracks taking the guesswork out of your fitness programming. I know for myself, every time I don't have a plan, if I just leave it up to chance, something's probably not going to go very well. And so having the app there is one of the most crucial pieces to my fitness plan. Go ahead, grab that sample for yourself, download the app, and don't forget to let us know how you love it. All right, let's do this. What's up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Women Make Waves podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay, sitting down with Ariel and Lindsay Matthews, founder of BirthFit, which I am so excited to talk about. I know when I first started coaching and all of a sudden athletes started getting pregnant, I was like, I don't know. I have no resources for this. Like my training didn't set me up for this. I and I was started coaching in my early 20s. I was like, I'm so far away from even being a mom. I don't know what resources to give you. And shamelessly, I just directed them to BirthFit. And I was like, this is a great resource I found. So I'm so excited. I've been working with your work for a long time to be able to sit down and chat with you and welcome you to the show. And wanted to kick off every episode like we do by asking, how are you making waves? Mm-hmm. Well, Thank you both. Thank you, Lindsay and Ariel, for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, anytime I get an interview or a chance to chat, it's you know a, an opportunity to share about birthfit and also like goes right into your question of how are you making waves? And it is everything I think um, birthfit started as maybe. You know, we've evolved, but it was to challenge the standard American way of doing things in the, inside the motherhood transition. Um, and I've always grown up some, like as somebody that um, questions or plays devil's advocate or rebels. And so if you're somebody that is telling me to go right, I'm going to go left just to see what's on the other side. But um, yeah, I think in general, I make waves inside of women's wellness, the motherhood transition, preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum. And it was, you know, it started as, you know, very similar to y'all where I didn't know anything and I wasn't taught this stuff. You know, I didn't learn about my cycle in school. 
I, I assumed I grew up very standard American way where I assumed birth. The only place for birth was the hospital. Um, and you had to do it lying down on your back with an epidural with all the drugs. And, you know, at that, when I it was like, exp, like exposed to that, um, I was like, I'm not going to do birth that way. So I wrote off having children. And, um, you know, finally, when I circled back, you know, years later, and started doing research and it was mainly for clients and patients and um people that i was working with i was like oh there can be a different way oh this makes so much sense oh okay um you know people have been having babies way before we got here on earth so yeah i think um in general if you hear anything like if um your doctor or midwife says, don't get your heart rate above 140 beats per minute. Ask them why, where's your reasoning? Or, um, you know, get, don't eat too much animal products. Why, where's your reasoning? Because cultures all over the world have been eating animal products for fertility forever. Um, so that, that's, that's where I make waves, I'm sure, and sure other places too. <laughs> That makes me so happy to hear because same thing. I mean, again, I'm far from having kids at this moment, but so many of those things are the big things that deter me. Like I don't want to do, I don't want it to be so sterile. Maybe you can touch on this, but that connection of mother and child immediately after giving birth is so important. And it feels as though, and I could be wrong because again, I haven't gone through this, but it's like, okay, you have a baby, they clip the umbilical cord and then like take them off to go do yeah. things. And that feels, I mean, shit, I just carried you around for nine, 10 months and you're just gonna, before I can even hold you or do anything, you're gonna take me away like that. Um, so where did your research start? Because I feel like yeah. it's so hard to find kind of what feels countercultural research out there. <laughs> Um, and can you touch a little bit more on, on kind of the birthing yeah. process and some of the big kind of fallacies you found? Yeah. So in general, I would say if you're researching anything, go to DuckDuckGo or use another search engine because stuff is heavily censored these days. And um, I, I would just advise that in general for everything. <laughs> and um you know, I, so I think my research actually started back in college and I was, uh, I went to Texas A&M University and I was pre-med and I studied biology and I used to like geek out on biology, microbiology, genetics, like for a hot second, I thought I wanted to be in the lab researching genetics. Um, like that was my the class I excelled the most at, which is bananas. Um, but I was fascinated just with living organisms and <laughs> like how things move, evolve, and basically pass down things from one generation to another. And fast forward, I did not go to medical school. I scratched that. Um, due to a I went to a medical mission trip in Africa and I realized I couldn't save the world prescribing pills and so I was like oh my god what am I going to do long story short I reconnected with the Cairo 
that I was referred to in high school by my orthopedic surgeon that did my ACL surgery in my knee. So like he was ahead of his time or at least open, you know, to alternative medicine and alternative healing. And I shadowed the doc and I was like, oh, this is for me. I can heal people with my hands or I can connect with people with my hands. And then I was exposed to the chiropractic philosophy and I really vibed with it. And, you know, in general, it's the power that made the body can heal the body. And as somebody that, um, you know, grew up and um, had a relationship with God, grew up Christian, you know, that was something that really spoke to me like, oh, oh, okay. Like, we're, we are designed perfectly. We have this innate intelligence within us. It's beautiful. Um, and so fast forward, I went to chiropractic school right after, uh, Texas A&M university. And I decided to go to chiropractic school in Los Angeles. And, um, I only did that because it was LA and like glamorous. And I wanted to see LA. It wasn't necessarily the best school, but I was exposed to some awesome people um, that I was, you know, just enamored with and shadowed and kind of soaked up knowledge from them. And, um, I think we, at A&M, we called it the other education, which is all the learning that happens outside of the classroom. And so I think my other education at my chiropractic school was really what, um, what got me clear on my values as a person who I wanted to show up as like as a doctor of chiropractic, as a healer, things like that. And um, that was where I was first exposed to women that were giving birth outside of the hospital. And um, we, there are people in class, like chiropractic school is interesting because there's always like half the class that comes right out of undergrad, like myself. And then there's another half that go to chiropractic school and it's their second career choice. So they've had a midlife crisis and they decide to go to chiropractic school at like 40 years old. Um, and so there are definitely like half of those people in my class. And that's where I would hear like, oh, my wife gave birth at home to our six kids or, you know, something along those lines. And I was like, what at home? Like, you sure? Like, how, like tell me more. And I was fascinated because these people would grow up a very, I say, untouched lifestyle. And um, I was just in awe of how healthy these people were. Um, their kiddos, some of them would tell me, yeah, they, they're six, seven years old. They've never had a cold, never had an ear infection, never had a cold, never had the flu, nothing. They have not been down for the count for anything. And so I was like, why, why, what's going on? They were born at home or born at a birth center. Um, like you mentioned the cord, the cord was allowed to pulsate all the way, you know, through till it was able to stop on its own. Um, baby was immediately put on mom, like within, like was not taken over to weigh, was not taken over to measure nothing. Um, and it was truly like, you know, the closest thing to what God, innate intelligence, source, whatever you want to call it, it truly was the closest thing to 
a natural birth or how we were designed to come earthside as possible, you know? And I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And so long story short, that's when I started reading things. And, um, by this time I'm out of chiropractic school and, uh, working in my, like literally my spare time was researching and researching basically kiddos and, um, women's health. And I didn't know, like I wasn't, I hadn't made the birth fit blog or anything yet, but, um, you know, that's where it started. And, um, one of the first books I read was, uh, childbirth and the future of homo sapiens by, uh, Michelle Odant, who is a French ob He's written a ton of books and all his books are wonderful, but it literally talks about all the procedures and protocols and everything we do inside the critical window. And for mammals, I mean, this is like the biologist and me coming out. So um, if none of these terms make it like, I'll try to use layman's terms. Um, like the critical You're window, <laughs> the critical period is the time in a mammal's life from which there is exponential growth and exponential growth, meaning the, the most neurological development, the most social development, um, just like things build upon like, okay, I'm able to roll over now. So now I can start to lift my head and my neck and now I can reach for things. Okay. But that's hardwiring other things in my body. So like this critical period within mammals is basically from conception to about two years postpartum. And so if you look at that window, like I said, it's like we're growing rapid speed. And you can see this as you look at babies, um, you know, moms, dads, whoever's in the family, they're like, little Susie's growing so fast. She's already like in the, this 2T clothes, you know, something. And they're just like amazed at how fast they grow. And it truly is. Um, and they're learning so much. But if you look at this and what Michelle O'Donnell pointed out was like, we are basically messing so much with humans inside this critical period window. How are we not examining like what we're doing to humans when our chronic disease continues to raise like chronic health problems, our C-section rates still, you know, 30, 35% in America, whereas, you know, 10 to 15% is ideal for a population to evolve. And, um, you know, how, like, how are we not looking at these things? And for instance, you know, this covers like, the other thing I was going to say is the autism spectrum disorder it is diagnosed. Like when I was in school, it was like one in a hundred. Now by 2030, 2032, it's projected to be somewhere around one in two, one in three with a prevalence in the male population. Um, so like all these issues and, um, you know, this is me speaking as a researcher, biologist, scientist coming, not as a mother, friend, lover, wife, whatever. So I got my nerd hat on and it's like, why are we not looking at these procedures, these protocols, these policies, how healthy parents are conceiving? Like, you know, when two people conceive, it run like the nutrient stores that both have, both egg and sperm, go back, you know, three months, four months, five months, six months, 
all that plays a role into the health of the sperm and egg in conception and then pregnancy. Like what are we doing with all the procedures through pregnancy? Well, if they go the standard Western medicine approach, it's an ultrasound every single visit because that's what people can bill for. That's what docs can bill for. Um, you know, even if they go the um, midwifery route, which is a not as much ultrasound, but they still get standard um, testing, like uh, standard glucose testing, standard strep B testing. Um, some midwifery centers, you know, even today require, um, you know, depending on what city, like, have you had, are you COVID free? Have you had a COVID vaccine? And that is nowhere near, you know, what a vaginal unmedicated birth, natural birth, was designed to be like. Um, so if you think about this, like, okay, I'm thinking about this with the kiddo in mind, like we're messing completely with the kiddo. Um, and then on the other side, you know, once baby's born, you know, if they're taken away from mom, that first hour is the golden hour. And that's where so much just like settling in, grounding, um, neural connections are made. Baby realizes, oh, I'm safe. I'm on mom now. I'm on the person that <laughs> I lived in for, you know, 40 weeks. And then, you know, there's procedures like um, the standard weighing and measuring, the heel prick, the eye ointment, the hep B shot. Like, are all those things really necessary? Um, you know, and that's, you know, not, I know what my choices would be, but I don't, you know, these are things where I, you know, go back to the question, making waves. Like I, so much, like every client I work with, like, this is a choice. You're making this choice. You're making a choice. If you don't say anything at all and you're in the hospital, they will automatically put erythromycin in your baby's eyes. Well, how does that influence things? Well, that's going to influence breastfeeding because now they can't see. So they can't see the dark nipple right there. And they laying on baby, uh, mom's belly, they need to be able to see the dark nipple so they can do the breast crawl, which is a neurological kind of setting in up to the breast so they can latch on the breast. Um, that's just one thing. Um, you know, and if we want to talk about um, injections or dare I say the V word of um, vaccines, like, you know, check out the 1986, uh, God, what's the liability act or where vaccine manufacturers were relieved of all liability on um, any product they made as far as vaccines. Um, and, you know, for I'm 38 years old and, um, you know, I had maybe a fourth of the injections that kiddos get today by the time they're 18. Um, so today I think it's somewhere, you know, above 80, um, just inoculations, which is crazy. A majority of that is like routine, routine, routine through their second birthday, through their third birthday. So if you're not paying attention and you're just going along with the standard American way, you're just funneled into this production line of being an American, you know? Um, and so that's what going back to the book of Michelle O'Donnell, I was like, Oh my God, like light bulbs going off left and right. And so that's when I began my research and, you know, I actually had the opportunity to sit 
in a room with other birth professionals in Los Angeles and listen to him and ask questions. And this guy's been researching forever. Um, he has something called the Primal Research Database. And, um, you know, he's, gosh, he's probably close to 90 now, but you can ask him a question and he'll remember the study and like the year and month it was done in. I can't even remember if, you know, I'm walking to the kitchen and I was like, why did I come here again? Like what? It, like guy's a genius. Um, so I continue to read his research, but that's really where I got started. And I was like, why isn't anybody telling, like saying anything about this? And, um, you know, as, as I evolved, as BirthFit evolved, um, my, the, the hats I was wearing was, you know, a chiropractor, a birth doula, and um, a coach. I was a strength and conditioning coach, a CrossFit coach, and I, you know, done a ton of CrossFit trainings and um, was part of a group that opened a gym in Los Angeles called Deuce Gym. And um, so what I was seeing was like the women that were training or trying to conceive, open to conception, and just the journey they were going through. And, um, you know, it was, it was fascinating to just be an observer and witness and share my experiences and share my experiences with them and like say, I don't know what the answer is to this, but let's get to the bottom of it or let's, you know, let's search for some resources so that you feel comfortable making your own intuitively guided, informed choice, you know, not just coerced into a, into a decision. So yeah, that was probably like, uh, 2011, 12. And I think I started the BirthFit blog in 2013. And people started reaching out saying, ah, I'm so into this. This this mantra helped me in labor, or like nobody's ever talked about this. Thank you for sharing this. Or you helped me decide whatever. Um, but really, it was just like bringing topics to light that nobody talks about and, you know, letting mothers, fathers, parents know that they have a choice. You know, you can say no to this. You can have a different way. And so I think that that was cool. And I, you know, I, I think I like to say that the career chose me rather than I chose the career. <laughs> it's so funny how you say that, because um, I do think that when we follow passion or maybe not necessarily passion, because I think our passions change and evolve over time, but like when we follow, I guess you could call it like our calling, you know, like something that's just pulling you in and you follow and continue to pursue that amazing, amazing things come out of it. Because who would have thought in 2011, 2012, that like, this is where you would be now. And okay. this is the impact, you know, that you would have. Yeah. Um, and it's so cool because I'm always, I'm fascinated with people building businesses because having gone through or being in the process now of continuing to build a business, it's something where I'm just like, I want to know everything that everyone else's mind has in them. Like I want to know all of those little secret things because it's, it's like we can all benefit even if it's a different business or even if it's a different um, profession, whatever it may be. Yeah. But what I really want to dive into with you is more on birth and conceiving and 
the way that our health affects that because I think that that's something that we're kind of starting to be a little bit more open to, um, especially especially now because I think pandemic aside, I think a couple of years ago, we were kind of like on the fringe of wanting to feel better and kind of acknowledging the fact that we could feel better. And like maybe hustle culture wasn't like the way to go. And I think through the pandemic, that kind of was an elevated narrative, right? Like we got to stop with hustle culture. It's not working for us. Like this is really detrimental to our health. And So now I think more of that conversation is shifting towards, okay, how can we be healthier? How can we set ourselves up? Because truthfully, like I'm in an, I'm in an age now where like we are planning to have kids soon. And I know that me two, three years ago was not thinking about, okay, the choices I'm making right now are going to affect my future offspring later in life. So I'm really curious and I'm sure a lot of people listening might be curious too, like what things can we be doing? And I always ask these questions selfishly, obviously, but like what things can we be doing now to set ourselves up to either if we're going to conceive or if we are going to give birth soon? Like I know that's two different scenarios, but maybe we can dive into both of them because I think that would be super helpful for a lot of people listening and myself included. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not curious about something unless it c- kind of affects you directly. And I think that's what, you know, my passion, motivation, curiosity was like, that's what's kept it going. Um, all I'm like, we're almost a decade in. Um, yeah. But let's talk about conception and um, fertility because that's, that's a good place to start. And if you grew up like me, you grew up as somebody that started their period and maybe their mother, sister, aunt, they're like, oh my God, congratulations, you're a woman now. And uh, it sucks. This time of the month sucks for the rest of your life. And there really wasn't anything else around it. And, you know, I say like, gosh, I wish somebody would have taught me that my cycle is like the fifth vital sign and my period blood can show me so much about health and my body is sacred and what I put into my body and onto my body affects everything. But nobody did. And I was a complete shit show in high school and college. And um, <laughs> you can ask any of my friends. Um, I loved Dr. Pepper. I loved Twinkies. I love pizza. Um, so there was everything that was going in my body, I thought was coming out because, you know, the whole calories in calories out. um, I'm exercising enough. I played soccer growing up. I was a cheerleader. I was expending energy or I was expending energy and, you know, resources, but it wasn't until, um, I don't know. It was my, my mid twenties. And I started exploring like, okay, like, why do I still have asthma symptoms? And so that's when I started linking up with a functional med doc. And um, yeah, thank God. Um, And we started healing my gut, but everything started healing my gut, 
taking steps back. Oh wait, this is, this is actually going on or this is going on or this metal detoxing, um, lots of detoxing, um, you know, paying attention to actually what was going into my body. And she was the first person that was like, so tell me about your cycle. And I was like, huh? Like, what do you want to know? It's, it's there. Um, and thank goodness. I don't, I think it was chiropractic school that encouraged me to like being surrounded by, um, kind of holistic, natural people. I got off birth control. Um, so I was on a hormonal birth control, like most women in America. And, um, that was, you know, that's their answer for anything. It's like painful periods, heavy periods. Let's go on hormonal birth control. I couldn't even tell you, like, I think I was put on it because, um, my mom, I was told my mom, I was like, I'm sexually active. I'm in college. I need to be on some, something. So went to the local OB guy that I looked up and that's what he put me on. Um, but, um, you know, she was the first person that asked me about my period. And so then I'm like, oh, okay, let's start looking at this. Now, a normal period cycle is anywhere from 28 to 35 days. So it can range. Um, some people are 36, 37. Some people are 26, 27. But as long as it's consistent, um, the bleeding can last anywhere from three to seven days is pretty average. Um, if it's a day, it's, that's pretty light. Um, so those are just some things to be aware of. If you're a teenager, then sometimes cycle length is longer, especially like if they just got their period and the hormones are trying to level out, find their baseline sort of deal. Um, just something to keep in mind. But, um, as I started exploring my period, I came across like the fertility awareness method. And like, that's what I began using as my birth control. And what was so eye-opening to me, which, you know, y'all can probably relate to is like my obvious, like I ovulate only one day a month. You're like, wait, you don't, we don't ovulate as women consistently, you know, like sex doesn't equal pregnancy every day of the month. So that was mind blowing to me. And here I am in my freaking twenties and just learning this and, um, you know, learning signs of, um, okay. When you ovulate correlating to cervical mucus, even like you can feel like I can totally feel when I ovulate now, um, you know, the position of your cervix, um, different things like that. Uh, and there's a really great book. Like if you want to dive into it, there's, um, there's a book called the fifth vital sign actually, um, by Lisa Hendrickson Jacks. And, um, that's amazing. And then the period repair manual is really good by, um, I think it's Lara Bryden. Um, yeah. So those were books I like dove into so good. Um, and yeah, I've been able to be off hormonal birth control for, you know, it's, God, I'm like, how old am I now? Over 15 years now. But, you know, if you're somebody that one day wants to be pregnant or be open to pregnancy, then start there. Like you have to start getting to know, getting to know your cycle because we're as females, we are such cyclical beings. And, um, you know, this is one thing we talk about. We have a online community called B community 
which is strength and conditioning for women in all seasons and cycles of their lives. Um, as women, we are not supposed to train the same every day of our cycle. You know, um, day two of bleeding, which is my heavier day, there's no way in hell I want to do handstand push-ups or inversions or anything. Like, I want gravity bringing this stuff down and out. Um, you know, simple, like, more like bodybuilding, basic strength work, and a long walk may be more appropriate that day. Or I might just want to veg out on the couch. Um, you know, with I'm going for, like, personal best, personal records, or redoing a workout, let's say in the CrossFit world or, um, you know, track and field, if I'm running a race, trying to get time trials in, like that's going to be more appropriate as you come off your bleed into ovulation chapter. So in that follicular high energy phase. Um, and then after you ovulate, you have the luteal phase, which I kind of think is broken up into two phases. And the first half of the luteal phase, I still think of like, okay, I can train hard here. Sometimes I have to be like, okay, Lindsay, don't be lazy today. Show up. And like after I get moving, I'm like, okay, I got the blood flow and the energy's going. This is good. But in the second half of the luteal phase, when I'm leaning more towards bleeding again, then I may not want to do anything. And that's when, you know, that's when a nap is probably more appropriate than a workout um, and we're going into bleeding and it's releasing its reflection it's going inward rather than that follicular ovulation time where it's more outward like hey I'm here like I present myself to the world and that's a really great time to you know go to a CrossFit class go to a new new um, like bar class spin class whatever so you can relationship with people dance with people connect with people rather than the end of your luteal phase. So it's very energy related, like how are you spending your energy as opposed to like, how are you spending your time um, or managing your energy rather than your time. And so that caught on with me. And um, I think like it, it started applying to all aspects of my life. And so that would be a big one. I would say is start to look at your cycle, your period, what does the blood look like? You know, what color is the blood? Are there clumps? Like how big are the clumps? Um, that's a big one. Are there any bleeding? Um, like, do you have any one-off bleeding days any other time in your cycle? Those are great, great things to tune into. Um, and then, you know, nutrition wise, you'll be able to correlate so much stuff. Like we talked about exercise, but nutrition, nourishment, like, how are you nourishing your body throughout your cycle? You know, um, you might feel like, like the carb phase or where people are like, oh, I crave carbs. Like you just need more food in the luteal phase. Like the hormones are going, like you just need a lot more. Um, you know, I've been playing with certain supplements and certain times of the cycle, like BCAs more in the luteal phase after working out. Um, but really, the more you tune into you, the more you'll see and know what you need as a human being. Um, and so that's a big one. I would also say like, if you're planning on conceiving one day, start paying attention to what you put in and on your body. And it's never too early or too late to do some basic lab works. Um, so what I tell people is 
get some lab work and hormone panels on day three of your cycle. So it's like day three of bleed. And that will give you kind of a baseline. But then also check um, like day 21-ish, like whenever you're in the luteal phase, and make sure you check things like progesterone. Because um, we need progesterone to support a pregnancy, especially in that first 10 weeks of pregnancy. Um, so those are really good labs to have. And um, actually, the um, make sure in labs you ask for things like vitamin D, thyroid. Um, ask, you know, if um, you have an MTHFR gene variation, because that's a big one for um, pregnancy and conception. And, you know, you can start doing so much now. And, um, you know, people always ask me, like, like, do I, can I be birth fit now, even though it's not like two, it's not two years, five years down the road. It's like, yeah, get yourself there now, get some baselines because it, your fertility or your period, your cycle is basically telling you how healthy you are. It is like a free diagnostic tool to show you how your overall health is doing. Um, and then I would also say, get the partner's blood work and hormone panels tested because you need an egg and a sperm and sperm quality is significantly decreased in our country in the last couple of years. <laughs> okay. There are so many really good nuggets in there, but I don't want to skip over the fact that you said that our cycle is not a bad thing that happened to us because I think no. that for a really long time, that's how I felt. And it's the same exact experience. Like I got my period and everyone was like, oh my God, congrats. Now you get to suffer through seven days of your cycle every single month. And then truthfully, like I remember when I was put on birth control, I was like, oh, this is a bandaid. Like we're good. We don't have to think about it. And I had so many really negative effects from being on hormonal birth control. So I think what could be really cool just as a side tangent rabbit hole, because, you know, I feel like we're going to go through a little bit of them anyway. How would you recommend somebody start to, if they are feeling like they're on hormonal birth control and maybe it's not supporting them the way that they want to be supported, how would they go about, I don't even know if it's like, necessarily making the shift right away, but like starting to educate themselves around what their birth control is actually doing and how it's making them feel and maybe what side effects could be related to that versus them maybe feeling depressed or anxious or any of these other things. So yes, great question. Um, there's a great book. It's called Beyond the Pill by Jolene, Dr. Jolene Brighton. And I think it's, it's nutrient dense. It's a good place to start um, if you're at all curious. And, um, you know, just in general, hormonal birth control depletes your body of so many nutrients. And, um, you know, I'll share from experience of like working with women trying to conceive, open to fertility. And, um, what I see is, you know, they're, they're missing key nutrients like B vitamins and maybe also this is pretty, this was really common in Los Angeles. 
excuse me, there's, they entertain the idea of a vegan or a vegetarian diet. And so automatically, if you're vegan, you're depleted of so many nutrients, but then you add a hormonal birth control on top of it, you're, there's no way in hell your body, your body is thriving. It's literally surviving, you know, just trying to get by on what, what is available inside of that, inside, inside of the temple. And, um, you know, I think the nutrient stuff is, is so key. And, um, a pill bleed is not a bleed. It's, it's basically, you know, it's like, fake bleed. That's, there's no other way to put it. So the first couple bleeds off the period are going to be like, they might be heavy. They might be like all over the place. You might have a period that's, you know, um, 40 days apart or 20 days apart, you know, it just varies from person to person. Um, but yeah, in general, I would say if you know you want to come off the birth or hormonal birth control, have a plan and have somebody like a resource, somebody that you're connected to that can help you. And maybe that's a functional medicine doc. Maybe it's a midwife, um, midwives all over, um, the United States. You might have to find one in your area, but they'll do, uh, well women exams, just like an OB-GYN would they'll do well women exams. And um, you might have an amazing OB-GYN in your area that's very functional medicine approach, but that's few and far between. Um, there's Nicole Jardim, her website. She's very, I think she used to be known as the period girl, but she's got a lot of information and um, good, good blogs. And I think just arm yourself with information and support, whether that comes in the form of, you know, a doc, a community. Maybe you have a lifestyle coach that's gone through it, something, um, because you're going to have signs, symptoms that you're like, oh my God, is this normal? Or, um, you know, I feel like, feel like crap sort of thing. And, um, you know, I think do it now rather than later, because there are, there are those cases where they come off the pill and then the next month they get pregnant, but there's no like nutrient stores. Um, there's, it's very, it's a very hard shift nourishment wise. Um, and then postpartum you're depleted of nutrients. So I think, um, those are good places to start and good resources, but you gotta, you gotta get back to the nutrients. I love that. Um, let's dive really quickly into the vegan vegetarian argument because so I say this a lot and as functional nutrition coach, that is a really big important piece for me is like, I do think that if it's a moral thing for you, then like, yes, there's a way to get all those nutrients, but like you have to work a lot harder and you have to be super diligent about getting them. Um, but when we say, or when you say like vegan vegetarian, it's a lot harder because you're just setting yourself up to be more nutrient depleted what does that actually mean? And why do we need those animal proteins in order to be kind of like that thriving ecosystem? So, oh, this is a great question. If you, if you want to read a book, there's a great book, Real Food for Pregnancy by Lily Nichols. Um, and she's 
hands down done the most research when it comes to nutrition um, inside pregnancy and postpartum and it's it's wonderful but there's a whole chapter and i was going to grab it but i'll summarize because i try to keep things simple like if you are vegan especially you're eating no animal products then you're missing b vitamins b12 b6 um, you're missing vitamin A's, you're missing choline, um, you're missing just really quality protein and um, protein and animal fat. And um, so who's out there? The, um, I used to be okay with this, the argument that, oh, I'll get protein from hemp or pea plant protein or something, not the same. And it's not the same because our bodies don't absorb it the same. And, um, you know, we, it's just the way we were made, you know, I wish, like, wish I could tell you different, but it's not, it's like, there's science for you. Um, and I see it a lot, um, with people that are having obstacles trying to conceive and, or on the, um, postpartum side, where depression anxiety shows up huge and it's been more so in clients that i've had that don't eat a lot of quality meat products they're more vegetarian than than consuming animal products or they don't eat red meat or they don't eat steak or something like that um there's one of my teachers rochelle garcia who runs the account innate traditions she um i learned a lot from her postpartum wise but she's a traditional midwife traveled all over mexico delivering babies and um she's like cultures don't like they don't use a vegan vegetarian diet for the motherhood transition window because it's it's not a thriving diet and um you know if you go back and look at cultures around the world they save things like organs, liver, heart, spleen. They save um, the raw milk. And that's what they're giving this couple that is about to like conceive and bring a baby into the world. And um, you know, I think like she talks about it a lot. Um, there's innate nourishment or innate nutrition that talks about, I think that's another one. But even early on in my career, whenever I was studying, like Chris Kresser was the only one that was like talking about um, nutrition and his healthy baby code. And it's like, oh, we got to get we got to get more animal products. Um, you know, the biggest one is, oh, God, I wish I knew the stat and I read it the other day, but uh, I would butcher it. But majority that let's start there. Majority of women that um, get pregnant are deficient in choline in um their first you know first trimester and that's when the nervous system starts to develop that's when the neural tube develops so if you don't have a base of choline then that's not that's not good and um choline comes from eggs it comes from liver things like that um so yeah i know it's um i know some people it's like I have a good friend who's like, it's the texture for her. And she was vegan, vegan since 14, um, because it started as like the cool thing to do. 
And um, then she just stayed with it. And then it was a texture thing. But I, not kidding, like miscarriage after miscarriage. Um, and then finally started adding in bone broths and organ supplements like ancestral health. Um, and so that was a start for her because you can't taste the organ supplements, you know? Um, and then the bone broth was chicken and she could, she could do that. That was a little more savory and palatable, but, um, yeah, it finally got pregnant, but it was like a year she had to like read, like introduce nutrients back to her body, you know? Um, so yeah, I would say check out the stuff in Lily Nichols books. Cause she breaks down exactly what nutrients are missing, like choline, vitamin A, B12. Um, and she, there's all, there's research articles referred. You can go look up the research articles. Um, really good index on that book. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for those resources too. I yeah. think we'll try and link those. Right. Um, so oh, I've been taking notes on every, <laughs> everything and I'm like, damn, I'm going to be linking stuff in the show notes for an hour, but that's okay. Uh, I, I do so, that. Yeah. I so appreciate <laughs> it because I'm someone who, when I listen to shows and there's a really compelling argument and then I go try to like tell someone about about it. It's like, well, where's your research on that? And I'm like, well, it was a cool podcast. Like, so to actually have tangible resources to be like in your face, it's right here. Feels good. <laughs> you, you remind me of the, um, you know, the Kermit the Frog gif where he's like going crazy and like typing on the thing. Yeah. I wish people would see these videos because I just did a perfect, perfect rendition of it. But, um, okay. One more one more thing that I think would be beneficial to talk about because we talked about the, and it's along these lines of vegan vegetarian slash eating animal proteins. I think a really big part of the conversation is, um, and I don't want to skip over it is two, twofold. One, yes, you can get those, those vitamins and nutrients from supplements, but they're still not going to be the most bioavailable. They're not going to be the best quality for our bodies to absorb. Um, but the other piece of this is the quality issue, right? Like we can't just have any animal proteins or yeah. would you say that any animal protein is better than no animal protein? <laughs> uh, um, so <laughs> this is a shameless plug for Ariel's sustainable regenerative <laughs> farm like, that she lives on. The, ran <laughs> the rancher in me is like, well, hold on. Ariel's like, one more thing to link in the show notes. Um, we have started eating <laughs> sausage from our farm. <laughs> yeah, we have some really good bratwurst. Uh, can you put that in there? Oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> no, and I can't say, like, we all know that, you know, the way animals are raised definitely affects the quality of the meat. Like if you don't know that now you're silly. Um, but, um, I think in general, like most basic, if I'm trying to get somebody just to eat meat, I'm going to be like, just eat whatever sounds good at that point. Um, and then we can talk about, okay, now can we get your, your shit from force of nature or us wellness meats or, what a local farmer rancher is next to you. Um, because yeah, the, it tastes so different, you know, it, the quality and, um, you can, you can taste it in the fat of the animal. And, you know, if you've been around, I love animal, like 
love animal proteins, but I love animal fat more so. And I can like, I will sit there and eat fat all day, which is crazy. My, um, one of my good girlfriends used to give me so much crap for it. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I think any meat is better than none. Um, but yeah, the quality, like, this is where it goes back to like priorities and values. Like, what are you spending your money on? And like, can you shift somewhere else? Like, do you really need to go, you know, out to dinner three or four times a week? Do you really need drinks? Do you really need those new shoes? Whatever, whatever. And then starting to prioritize like food and what you're putting into your body because that's wellness. Um, so yeah. <laughs> You had me until you said, do you really need the new shoes? (laughs) I was like, yeah, I don't need to go out all the time. I don't need the drinks, shoes at your girl needs. Lindsay's like, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I can can get my shoes. I can get my shoes. Whoa, 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 whoa. That is wellness. That is self-care. That is holistic wellness. That's your (laughs) self-care. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This has been so amazing. I have so many more questions, but we do want to be very respectful of your time. Would love to have you back on the show. How many questions this still sparked for me. Um, But if people listen to this and we're like, oh, my gosh, I need to follow BirthFit. I need to know what's going on and stay connected with you. How do they go about doing that? Absolutely. Yeah. And I know like there's so many chapters and subjects we could get into. Like we could dive more into pregnancy, postpartum, birth, labor, delivery, all that. Um, But I would review and like go back to like the beginning of like question everything um, just to like put a bow on things, question everything and know that there's like no one way to do things. Every pregnancy is different. Every birth is different and every postpartum healing timeline is different. Um, And we treat the whole first year postpartum as like that immediate postpartum. Um, So if you want, if like you're in one of those windows, those chapters, um, open to conception, pregnant, postpartum, like the best place to go is birthfit.com. There's blogs, there's resources there. Everything's color coordinated now, which we've redone our branding and I love it. Um, so like everything that's preg- pregnancy related is a certain color. Everything that's postpartum is a certain color. So ideally, you know, people are like, it's a little more guided and handholding. Um, but if you ever have any questions, email info at birthfit.com. We have a YouTube page, which um, we've started adding more and more Um like just informational videos. Like there's, um, for instance, like if you're, if baby's presenting breach, there's a video on movements to do daily. And, um, you know, if baby's presenting transverse, there's movements to do daily. Um, there's a video of me talking about the postpartum healing timeline and why co-regulation recovery, uh, or co-regulation recovery, rehab, rebuilding, why we use those phases. Um, and then things like HRV, heart rate variability and why we use that. And, um, yeah, there's, there's videos talking about everything, some stuff on Instagram, just find birth fit. Yeah. You okay. go down some rabbit yeah. holes. <laughs> we need to have you back on the show. Cause even just like the little snippet of like, this is what we're talking about on YouTube. I was like, that's a whole episode. So yeah, it's totally. Yeah. 
We would love to have you back. Lindsay, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation. 